Hello, and welcome to another episode of Hanks a Lot, the comprehensive and encyclopedic podcast examining chronologically the many films of Mr. Tom Hanks. I am your host, Kent Shelton, and joining me this week from Hollywood, California, is our film critic at large, Mr. Trace Oakley. And from Seattle, Washington, the city best known for being the location of the 1990s book Disclosure by Michael Crichton, is our musical director, the supersonic Mr. Kevin Dennis. And uh, Trace, how are things in Hollywood, California? You know, it's it's raining here almost as much as it was when Kevin visited and tried to give me COVID. I see. It, well, it, uh, it's probably not raining in Seattle because uh, uh, people say it rains there all the time. Uh, in fact, it's raining in Hollywood. It's raining in Spokane. And Seattle is as dry as a bone. And that's just uh, that's just how it goes, folks. Don't don't believe all the all the mythology that these meteorologists are always pushing on you. We are here to talk about a uh, uh, a couple of movies tonight. We're we're not gonna not gonna just stop at one. We're gonna do a uh, a double double movie examination uh, because we could not bear to devote two podcasts <laughs> to these movies. We're, we're just gonna. Jumping all the way to 2019. Yeah, we're just going to lump right. these two together, uh, and you'll see why. Um, because they are... Uh, they are lumpable. They're episodes of the same show, and that's a show called Toy Story. And we're going to be talking about movies Toy Story 3 and Toy Story 4, The Wrath of Khan. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think these movies would benefit with a, a colon... Uh, oh, subtitle, I'm, don't you? I'm, I'm way ahead of you, Kent. Way ahead all, of you. All right. Yeah. Well, then let's get to the review. <laughs> let's cue that catchy jingle. Well, now it's time for the review. Trace, please tell us what is your view. After Toy Story 1 and 2 entertained millions of children and made scores of soft-brained adults even more so, it was time to do what every corporate entity masquerading as art must do, make it a franchise. This would seem to differ somewhat from when a factory worker in Mobile, Alabama gets tired of punching a clock, so he saves up and gets a predatory loan so he can open up his own Carl's Jr. In Hollywood, not just anyone could write and direct a new chapter in the Batman, Indiana Jones, John Wick, Fast and Furious, Matrix, Men in Black, Star Wars, Star Trek franchises. No, you have to be way more commonplace and unremarkable than that guy with the burger joint in Mobile to direct one of these serial Hollywood blockbusters. So, because there was money to be made, and money to be made, Disney and Pixar, the most electrifying combination since water and warm water, teamed up for Toy Story 3. Originally conceived as a vehicle for Samuel L. Jackson, called Potatoes on a Train, the screenplay went through development hell for years. Later, as the erotic overtones between Woody, Buzz, and the Ken doll and the now college-aged Andy practically jumped off the page. The film was tentatively titled Toy Story 3, The Toys in the Band. Yes, Andy, the kid from the first two, is headed off for college and his toys dream of going there with him. But those dorms are too full of bong water, kegs, and stolen street signs for there to be any room for toys. Guys don't need toys at college. That's what sorority girls are for. While college life has its drawbacks, the toys are more concerned about the alternatives that await them now that Andy has moved out. They could be discarded, which could mean a messy, stinky death. They could be relegated to the attic, 
where the only thing to do is wait for V.C. Andrews to write bad novels about you. You could be shutter given to a poor child, or you could be donated to a daycare center. As in all movies made by committee, the answer isn't the most interesting option or the one that best furthers the story. The answer is all of the above, for a while. Most of the toys do end up at a daycare center, but this is no ordinary daycare center. It's kind of like the Gambino crime family daycare center. There's an evil cabal of toys who shake down and torture lesser gadgets, and the kids play rough, routinely breaking the dolls, games, and action figures who call the place home. There are uh, a couple of seemingly friendly faces, Barbie and Ken. Barbie is the dim-witted, affable portent of Taylor Swift that she's always been. Ken is prettier than Barbie, more fashion-obsessed, and kind of a combination of Al Pacino and Scarface and Al Pacino and Cruising. As a couple, Barbie and Ken are the hottest twosome since Liza Minnelli and Peter Allen. The good toys eventually overtake the bad ones, and there are lots of close calls, brushes with toy death, and, hey, this would look cool, let's shoehorn it into the script moments. And eventually, they all pray. Did Zemeckis wander into the studio one day? Compared with the other three films, Toy Story 3 is the best of the lot. It's not good by any means, but does have some clever moments, does go a little dark and disturbing at times, and is even refreshingly mean-spirited, which is welcome in the vortex of extra mild vanilla that is Disney. The acting is awful across the board. Again, none of the major stars sound like anything other than a beginner's class in sitcom acting. There's no personality, no chemistry, nothing distinctive about a single voice or performance. Watching TS3, one can't help but be reminded of a couple of other Hank's pictures. There's more acting by inanimate objects. Once again, the money pit holds its own in that regard. Speaking of inanimate objects, Emily Blunt isn't in this movie. And there's also a garbage scow, as in the Lady Killers. Flash forward to 2019. Time for Hollywood to catapult someone new into the moviedom mediocrity. Originally titled Toy Story 4 Out of Ideas, the latest, please God, last saga finds Bonnie, the poor child from three, now the same age, but no longer from the wrong side of the tracks and no longer the child of a single mom, but still the proprietress of Woody, Buzz, and the gang. Bonnie attends the first day of kindergarten, where she makes a toy out of a spork, one of those plastic utensils that uses flexible pronouns. She becomes very attached to Forky, as she calls him, uh, and she spends, even though he spends each night attempting suicide. In the upcoming Toy Story 5, Bonnie goes off to college, where she, she creates Knifey, who kindly helps her become a cutter. Her previous golden toy becomes jealous and spawns the subplot, Forky goes to Porky's. As the story trudges along, Woody happens on an antique store and believes his lost love, Bo Peep, is imprisoned there. She is. There's also a doll named Gabby Gabby who wants voice masculinization surgery, so she kidnaps Woody with the help of some Joel Grey-esque ventriloquist dummies. She steals Woody's string-controlled voice box, and voila, she can talk. Actually, she could talk the whole time, and Woody can still talk too, but why make a writer feel bad? All ideas are bright ideas. It's Disney and Pixar. The plot goes on, and lots of other toys get lost. New ones are introduced, and it's hard to keep track unless you remind yourself it's not at all worth keeping track of. The supporting cast is star-studded, many having maybe four lines or so, for which they were paid $5 million per line. Speaking of overpaid, Randy Newman. 
Legend has it, Disney Pixar asked Newman's agent if the songwriter could be paid by the hour. No, they replied. He never spent an hour on a song. Can you pay him by the 20 minutes? They got a bargain, as Newman wrote all of the songs for all four movies in 20 minutes. And so, we look forward to Toy Story 6, where every kid who ever watched any of the movies goes off to college, and all VHS and DVD copies of the films are sent to the Fort Wayne Public Library, where the movies while away their days, waiting for someone to check them out. Someone for whom How I Met Your Mother is a little too edgy. My scores, Toy Story 3, two hankies. Toy Story 4, one hanky. Well, those are the reviews of those two movies. I'm glad that you actually gave them uh, independent hanky ratings because I agree with you that uh, that three was was better than four. Um, uh, I uh, I had never seen either of these movies before I sat down and did my homework for these episodes, and uh, I, I agree that I, I liked that um, Toy Story three uh, did start kind of delving into the into some darker themes into uh, uh how do toys feel once people outgrow them when uh when you're outgrown and thrown in the attic or thrown into the uh uh into the rummage sale or or put out on the curb in a box uh how how do you feel um you know it's not a question really worth answering but at least it's a question that these <laughs> movies hadn't hadn't asked before um <laughs> But no, it did. They talked about the, you know, the garage I, sales and yeah, stuff. Yeah, they, they do. I guess it, it's a common toy fear. Uh, although, you know, I did after I watched this movie, I went down to my local Goodwill and I walked into the uh, the toy aisle there and just uh, looked at all the toys and said, "You bunch of a holes. Nobody loves you." And uh, they they all, and none of them started crying uh, at exactly. least until I exactly. until I walked they're, away. They're, when I walked away and they all sprang to life, I'm sure they were devastated I'm, by my withering comments. I am moved by the strength that they exhibited. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Toy Story 3 was, uh, you know, it was okay. I, I felt like it suffered from uh, a lot of rehash of, of, of stuff from earlier movies and a lot of um, not enough new good ideas to justify its existence. Uh, Toy Story 4... Um, I mean, Toy Story 4 to me really was just all the discarded ideas, all the, all the it, stuff it in was, the notebooks. It, it you was, know. Yeah, every... It's like, guys, what do you have left in the trunk? Let's put together all the notes that we... Everything that we told you, uh, no, that doesn't go in a Toy Story movie. Let's, uh, let's trot all these out. Um, I thought... The whole antique store subplot was uh, was weird and and didn't really work. Um, I I don't like that they threw the little girl under the bus just because she didn't want a fifty seven year old doll creepy doll. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she looks at this doll and like, hey, do you want that toy? And she's like, no, uh, which is fine for a kid. If I offered one of my kids. Uh, you know, a box of Lincoln logs, uh, they'd say, no, thanks. That's looks what you played with sticks with slots in them when you were a kid. They just feel bad for me. They wouldn't pretend to, uh, to love these, these old toys. Uh, but yeah, but they portray the little girl harmony, uh, the daughter of the, the granddaughter antiques, of the antique granddaughter store of the owner. Yeah. They portray her as like a descent arch a-hole just a capital letter b because she won't <laughs> love this worn out dusty old doll um 
who has really creepy friends, by the way. Oh, and uh, yeah, uh, and you know, uh, I watched but, enough Mad Men to know that like you don't let anything with the voice of Christina Hendricks <laughs> into your house. Uh, it, it's uh, <laughs> it's just not. It's I not didn't a, have to watch Mad Men to learn that. Yeah, it is not a good <laughs> plan. You know, you bring up the uh, you bring up the antique store, and again, you know, it's just kind of really a rehash of. I guess I think it was Toy Story Two, where they had the the creepy collector with all the all the weird old toys. I mean, just just really felt like much of the same in terms of the yeah. setting. So, uh, so I don't know. I uh, I uh, I would I would say that uh, three is fine to watch if you've got Disney Plus and you have kids and they have watched the first two and are interested in the third uh, uh, part four. Uh, I say give it give it a miss entirely. Just skip it. It doesn't it doesn't offer anything really new or great. Um, it's they they used the voice of a dead Don Rickles. They just used previously recorded material by him. Uh, this was made after his death, and right. uh, just cashed in on him one last time. Um, and it, you know, I think they could have been. I, I think they could have been more creative with the casting of the voice of Forky. You know, I think I think Robert De Niro would have brought something to that. Yeah. You know, do, you, do you do you mind that I'm a spork? Does it bother you I'm a spork? I uh yeah. Are you are you forking talking to me? <laughs> are you playing oh, yeah. with me? Are you yeah. playing with me? I'm forking here. Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> wow, we've gone to Dustin Hoffman, Joe Pesci. Yeah. Yeah. None of you have done De Niro yet. I'm they didn't for make the it. They didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, midnight it's Forky. It's a terrible forking character. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it just sort of picture someone at the Disney commissary, you know, eating lunch, and I'm going to make a movie out of this. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I don't know, uh, and I and I really think that that KFC should have gotten some credit because, as far as I know, they invented the spork uh, a, as a way to, uh, or, or certainly uh, made it made it the thing that you they used need, a lot they, of. They, yeah. they needed a thing that you could eat both coleslaw and mashed potatoes with, and uh, somebody <laughs> at the KFC labs was like, hey, how about if we ruin two uh, utensils and make one <laughs> utensil that is neither fish nor fowl? Um, so, uh, anyway, uh, uh, Kevin, what are your thoughts? What do you think about these two movies? Well, I don't... I'm not going to bore our audience. Take them one at a time. <laughs> Well, I just wanted to mention the music. I thought it was I, I liked that. First of all, Trace covered most of the musical comments about it. I appreciated the the Money Pit reference. Thank you. Uh, this takes my job easier if you take that over. Yes. Um, well, way, actually, speaking of making your job easier, honestly, I really no, seriously. Um, first of all, let me just say, let me just point out to our listeners: Kevin is recording this episode in his bathroom. Okay, well, naturally. Uh, yeah. Now, secondly, I said uh, disclosure. As as a tribute, as a tribute and in honor of Randy Newman, uh, Kevin, I think you should just we should just play the same song four times. <laughs> <laughs> we should just take the yeah. song I did for Toy Story one and two. Just yeah, play exactly. Just yeah, just yeah, yeah. Actually, actually, just take it and just multi-track it four times over each other, just slightly, <laughs> slightly, slightly different. Sense. This is- oh, it sounds like an Anya song. It's just like your voice singing it four times. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. Um, oh, boy. 
Well, I I, the, 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 musically, there was one thing that was interesting. I mean, we don't have to mention Randy Newman because everybody else in the world has. But um, uh, but it was interesting. I thought that in the third movie they put uh, Lafrique in by Chic, and then in the fourth movie they had an Amadeus to a, a Mozart. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, how in the just the, the amount of mushrooms they were doing at Disney and Pixar to put those two contrasting songs in these movies, I thought was amazing. How do you how do you go between, you know, freak out to Mozart's, you know, concerto? I just think it's amazing. So that was the fun. one thing that the one thing I do want to uh, I was sort of interested in is do you think. Uh, do you think somebody uh, watched this movie uh, and they knew that their uh, their studio had recently bought the rights to all like Kenner and Mattel stuff? And when they watched this, they were like, "Barbie and Ken." There's a whole movie in that. Uh, let's yeah, forget I, I, what, what, uh, because I uh, think so. Because yeah, I mean, it was it was the second one uh, was was made not all that long ago. But I also wonder if they were not able. To get uh, the the rights to use the likeness of Evil Knievel. Yeah, well, because I know that, that I, was, I, I know like that the knockoff. I know that Robbie Knievel sued the film, uh, claiming oh, really? that yeah, he sued the film, claiming that they used the likeness and uh, the image of his father uh, and did not compensate him in any way. And and, and that I, was there was a toy. I had it when I was a yeah, kid. The evil Knievel, Knievel, yeah, the Evil Knievel. Was, yeah, was, obviously the toy was based on that Evil Knievel toy because it had the 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 base that you'd crank up the motorcycle in and yes, let it fly yes. to make the jump. Um, and uh, according to the Disney people, like they they approached uh, the Evil Knievel uh, family uh, and and said, "Hey, can we use this toy in this movie?" And they uh, they uh, said, "Yeah, if you pay us like two billion dollars." And so then Disney went to their lawyers and said, "We need to make an Evil Knievel toy that is so significantly different that we can't get sued." And so they made him Canadian. They gave him a name. They made a name totally him. unlike it. They uh, uh, they ma- they made his costume uh, completely different, and a uh, a judge decided like, no, no, they made it different enough. You can't sue him. And uh, sort so of like Robbie if Knievel you wanted, and, 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 court. and they made the the child who owned the Canadian Evil Knievel toy very very ugly. Mm. Yeah, and well, and they gave uh, they. I, I think that if uh, if they had had a voice actor come in, if they had had. Like Tommy Lee Jones come in and do the voice. Oh, of, I can't wait of, to hear your of, Tommy of, Lee Jones. Go for it. Let's no, I'm it. just saying if they, if, they, if they would have had somebody who had a a hillbilly twang, uh, or somebody who was vocally reminiscent of Evil Knievel, because Evil Knievel, uh, you could get either Tommy Lee Jones or or like Sam Water or uh, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, the the cowboy actor, uh, Sam Elliott, to come in and do a voice and. Then Robbie Knievel would have a case, but if you have Keanu Reeves do Whoa. the voice of, the, of yes. and that's really it. They got Keanu Reeves was the voice of of Duke Kaboom. You could never and, uh, confuse with Evil Knievel. No, because yes. uh, I mean, Evil Evil Knievel talked like Jerry Lee Lewis. He talked like right. a like a, a redneck from the worst part of Kentucky, and uh, and you had somebody doing that voice. I think. Robbie Knievel would have had a, a successful lawsuit, right? So but they I'm, went the I'm other guessing, way. I'm guessing maybe that George Hamilton also wanted more money. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because 
George Hamilton played uh, Evil Knievel in, Knievel. in a, in, in in a in 1970s movie. movie. Yeah, called Evil um, Knievel. Yes. So having something uh, oh, a little bit different from the original saves you the lawsuit of something that's not in the public domain. So like, say, a song at the end of a movie that somebody was going to redo into a play, you would want to redo that song in a way that no one would recognize from the original so you wouldn't get sued for using original content. That, I can see what you're saying. That makes sense. It could, yeah. never, it could, it yeah. could never happen. Never happen. It's called, it never happen. Yeah, it's called not, intellectual not, property. I, not my yeah. Life. I'm, yeah. I know nothing about any of that stuff. So glad yeah. you straightened me out on it. Thanks. Basically, I think uh, uh, I think the the, the good folk is sure, just saying sure anybody a- anybody who's uh, stupid enough to jump school buses on with a motorcycle <laughs> could have had a toy based on them. Sure, uh, and and, uh, and they're ignoring the fact that it actually happened in real life at some point. I, I'm I'm sure there's some sort of clause in a contract. I'm sure there's yes. a contract. Yeah, there's probably yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, some some sort of clause. Some sort clause. Of clause. Some kind of clause. <laughs> A sanity clause to make sure, to make sure you're sane. all sane. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Oh, <laughs> uh, folks, uh, it's been so much fun talking about this dumb box of toys. Has it, has uh, it been fun? As, 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 well, it's hey, it's we're heading into the holiday season. I never got uh, to hear your Tommy Lee Jones impression. Do the credits as your Tommy Lee Jones. Wait, we need to. Okay. Um, we need to talk about what the next. We need to do is. a hard target search every outhouse, doghouse, farmhouse. Yeah, yeah. there it is. Yeah. Yes, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Yep, there you go. That was worth the whole um, show right there. All right, um, folks. Thanks so much. Uh, I would like. Uh, I'd like to leave you on a high note, and uh, which gonna, is to talk about that the next movie we're going to talk about is. Larry Crown. Larry Crown. Yes, yes, the Larry Crown affair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the Larry Crown show. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, Larry Crown is the is the name of our next movie. It's a movie that uh, that I uh, I can't wait to talk about because I have no idea uh, what it's about or who's in it or or what happens in it. Uh, oh, I've seen but, it. Uh, but but I'll, I'll know. Oh, don't, well, don't, you sound. Nah, you sound so. I mean, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen. It. He was doing. He was doing. I've never seen a person do a triple thumbs up uh, while he said something. Um, Mention the so shining yeah. eyes. The shining eyes too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Larry Crown. We're going to talk about it next week, um, uh, and it's going to be hard to talk about because we're all going to be humming this tune that you're about to hear. This memorable song. <laughs> You're going to hear it again and again and again. Are we going to do Larry Larry Crown 1, 2, and 3 all next week? Yes, all of them in one episode. All the, uh, yeah. Larry Crown, the uh, Thomas Crown Affair, Royal Crown Cola, and uh, (laughs) it's all happening right here. I've had the crown Uh, of my life. Keep your podcast dial tuned to this frequency. (laughs) But no no cable (laughs) guy. I, I understand how podcasts work. I think uh, finally <laughs> that you, you just you you tune your computer to this station, right? And that's how you uh, get podcasts. It's on so, every Saturday morning and every. Uh... Yep, yep. Just like the cartoons you loved as a kid. Uh, all right, listen to this song and then uh, <laughs> come back next week. That's it. Listen to if it you, four times if you haven't. If you haven't seen these movies, you know. That's a good Do reason for that. Take, take a week off. <laughs> <laughs> we like to say goodbye on, from the marketing department of Pixar and Disney. So yeah, keep on rocking and and uh, enjoy this song. Thanks a lot. My 
boyfriend masks his intentions. Can I trust the new puppet master? Barbie or Ken, playground of fear. This could be a disaster. Do we all fall into the new pit of joy? All is one. I feel that Woody is no longer Andy's favorite son. There is no way I can follow this path. The daycare toys are too messed up. Some come from trash and the others are evil. So I will just turn myself back to the box, to the box. where I came from. Where I came so from. I can hide so to the end of this song. Of this song. Forky sings with broken strings, made with some trash from the top. Forward and back from the suicide axe, they run and escape from the shop. Ken can play both sides of the playroom. Big cuddly bears can't be trusted. Trusted, trusted. The voice is not fixed to the heart, and the best laid plans can be busted. Do not trust the promise of safety over the truth of the heart. Forky proves with his fanaticism that he is worth more than folk art. There is no way I can follow this path. The daycare toys are too messed up. Some come from trash and the others are evil. So I will just turn myself back to the box, to the where I came from, where I came so I can hide to the end of this song. Well, you made it through another episode of Hanks a Lot, the Tom Hanks podcast. Our show is recorded and mastered at Cliffside Studios in Spokane, Washington. Your hosts are Trace Oakley, Kevin Dennis, and me, Kent Shelton. Please send corrections, comments, and indecent proposals to hankspodcast at gmail.com. Tom Hanks has not been consulted or compensated and knows nothing about what goes on here. All music used on the show is composed and performed by our own Mr. Kevin Dennis. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends. Come back next week and bring your sister. And please rate and review us on your favorite podcast catcher. Hanks for the sport, and goodbye.